Today on the Burning Archive, as the multipolar world takes shape around us, and as tensions loom over Taiwan, it's time to ask about Australia's place in this new world order. Amidst these global events, Hugh White has published Sleepwalk to War, Australia's unthinking alliance with America. And he advises Australian leaders to tell America to abandon Taiwan and to withdraw from Asia quietly. It is part of a damning judgment on Australia's foreign policy that ends in a call for a national conversation about the biggest shift in our geopolitical environment since 1788. What should Australians be talking about in a national conversation about this shift in the global world order? That is the question for today's Burning Archive. So welcome everyone to the Burning Archive. My name is Jeff Rich and this is the Burning Archive podcast where the past is not dead, the past is not even past, and we're by thinking about the past, we try to live better in the present. And one of the uh, ongoing themes of the Burning Archive podcast is how imperial rivalry, or if you like, uh, more neutrally geopolitics is playing out in today's world and in particular how we're seeing a declining role for America and a growing role for other great states such as China, such as India, such as Russia and indeed some of the potential great states of Latin America and Africa. In all that discussion around imperial rivalry every now and then I have actually reflected on what it all means for Australia. But in this episode, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on that based on a rather striking essay in the uh, quarterly essay, the Australian quarterly essay by Hugh White called Sleepwalk to War, Australia's Unthinking Alliance with America. And the back blurb of that, uh, that essay says... Canberra's rhetoric helps raise the risk of the worst outcome for Australia, a war between China and America, in which we are likely to be involved over the past decade and without any serious discussion. Australian governments have come to believe that America should go to war with China if necessary to preserve US primacy in Asia and that Australia should, as a matter of course, go to war with it. And as long as that's been, a, I guess, a distant scenario that war planners might need, defence planners might need to think through, as long as it's only about buying submarines and not actually deploying submarines with missiles on them, that's all been very well for Australia. But today's environment, I think, probably necessitates a rather more frank look at the situation. And that is what Hugh White offers in this excellent essay. Uh, Hugh White is the, he's the Professor of Strategic Studies Emeritus at, at ANU, and he was once a bureaucrat like me, 
much more senior bureaucrat, much more major government official than a minor government official like me, a former Deputy Defence Secretary for Strategy. Uh, And he wrote a defence white paper for Australia. And his essay is excellent. And in particular, it kind of evokes that trope, the important trope in Australian discussions of Australian foreign policy, of Australia being abandoned by its great and powerful friend, the trope that was the crucial moment, I guess, with the fall of Singapore in 1941, where Australia felt uh, let down or abandoned by Britain and turned to America. And on a a previous episode of the podcast, uh, the previous episode of the Burning Archive podcast that really did talk uh, explicitly, I guess, about how the emerging multipolar world is playing out for Australia, episode 18 from September 2021, so approximately a year ago, so I guess this is my annual show on Australian foreign policy, That episode, number 18, After Kabul, The Task Ahead for Australia. And there I actually discussed the importance of the fall of Singapore in 1941-42 for Australia uh, and its importance in sort of shaping the mentality of Australian foreign policy and geostrategic thinking. The summary of that podcast said... The fall of Kabul has raised questions for Australia about reliability of its alliance with the United States of America. For Australians, this capitulation evokes comparisons with another decisive imperial humiliation, the fall of Singapore in 1942, the conquest by Japan of the fortress of the British Empire in Southeast Asia in the weeks following the attack on Pearl Harbour, led the then Australian Prime Minister to turn decisively from the declining British Empire that could no longer secure Australia's defence to the rising American Empire. Will the fall of Kabul and the rise of Eurasia provoke the same questioning of foreign policy by Australia? Of course, um, despite the efforts of the Burning Archive to engineer such a conversation, it didn't. But uh, it is perhaps another island on the coasts of Eurasia, uh, Taiwan, that will perhaps provoke that same argument. As we are speaking today, uh, I understand um, Xi Jinping and Joe Biden are about to have a video conference call where, amongst other things, they will likely discuss diffusion, hopefully, of tensions around uh, Taiwan and presumably Xi Jinping will insist that Joe Biden back down about Nancy Pelosi visiting Taiwan and giving succor to advocates of independence and separation of Taiwan from China, which as a sovereign state America does not recognise and it, uh, it also recognises being part of the One China policy. So it's a fundamental issue for China. And yet uh, the war hawks in America seem to be pushing us towards uh, such a combat. 
And even in Australia, the former Defence Minister, I think, Peter Dutton, insisted that if it came to a war, a question of a war over Taiwan, Australia would certainly join that war. And that is the very question that Hugh White uh, raises in his important essay. Should we sleepwalk to war? against China, no less, over an issue such as Taiwan, uh, which in reality is an issue about the primacy of America in Asia. Should we uh, maintain the exceptional status of America as the indispensable nation, even in places uh, far from America and close to other great states, as Taiwan is close, indeed, part of China. Certainly, uh, the current uh, Foreign Minister of Australia, Penny Wong, seems to be on board with the whole idea of America being the indispensable nation. Uh, She's, in fact, said that the United States remains the indispensable nation, even if in being indispensable, it does need to rely rather more on its allies. And Hugh White's essay is a pretty pessimistic assessment of the independence and quality of thought across all parties and across the whole, I guess, the governing elite in relationship to defence, security and foreign policy in Australia. So what I'm going to look at then in this uh, podcast is I'm going to sort of set out Hugh White's argument about the situation and why Australia should not pursue an unthinking alliance with America that is about maintaining America's primacy in Asia, let alone its, uh, you know, unipolar status in the world. And then I'm going to talk about what his remedies are, his sort of what he describes as his action plan of courage and imagination. Uh, I'm going to give my own assessment of the strength of the historical thinking about Australia and, I guess, world history that is there in Hugh White's essay. And then I'm going to rise to the challenge that Hugh White puts out there that we should have a national conversation about Australia's place in a emerging multipolar world and put forward some four key themes of change for Australia's foreign policy. A different vision, if you like. Okay, so let's address those each in turn. And first of all, let's talk about uh, the basics of Hugh White's argument in his quarterly essay. So if I were to summarise Hugh White's argument in a couple of sentences, it would be that he argues that Australia's foreign policy is too loyal to an American objective of American dominance in Asia, and that indeed that objective of America to be dominant in Asia is based in an unrealistic sense of global leadership that America itself should probably drop. And so consequently, Australia should rethink 
our strategy for a world that is a multipolar world, and in particular, a world that in our region will have two large regional hegemons, China and India, both of which will be major, major great states in the world to come. And that also there are middle powers like us of Japan and Indonesia that can play a reasonable counterbalancing force to China that does not require American military and other sort of power projections into our region. And he argues, ultimately, America itself may come to realise this sooner than some of the Australian elites. It may come to realise that the costs of dominance in Asia for America vastly outweigh its real benefits, so that America is more likely to abandon Asia and Australia in terms of its security before Australia abandons America. He begins the essay with the some few observations on the remarkable negative turn in relationships between China and Australia over the last five to ten years. For the longest time, China was, I guess, celebrated in Australia and embraced in Australia with a lot of focus on both the welcome climb of China out of poverty and lowly status, as well as the economic benefits to Australia of the vast expansion of the market and its its role as Australia's major trading partner. Uh, but America has also always been, or at least since World War II, has been Australia's security partner. Not just partner, but its dominant partner. And for the longest time, Australians would say, well, we don't really need to choose between America and Australia. But uh, over the last few years, that position has changed. And as uh, American attitudes towards China across the political spectrum in America have hardened, uh, so the pressure, I guess, on the Australian political leadership to back America and to, if need be, fight China has grown. And Hugh White argues that there has really been a bike partisan consensus in Australia that we can rely on and are dependent on America to manage our relations with China. This, he says, reflects habit and timidity, but also an immense faith in American power and resolve. But that faith is not necessarily substantiated by the facts as I described in my podcast last time, there's increasing doubts around the world about whether America will break. And Hugh White similarly wonders whether, in the end, our ally will probably fail us. He argues we should learn from the Singapore crisis of 1941 
and 42, the previous time when a dominant ally failed us. And uh, similarly, we should learn from the failure of diplomacy in statecraft in the 1930s. To quote Hugh White, he says, what we should learn is the need to think a lot more carefully about the problems we face with China, how realistic it is to rely on America to solve them, and what we can do instead. We should do our due diligence and decide for ourselves if what Washington is saying or doing really stacks up and makes sense. And the closer we look, the worst things appear. And they are particularly bad because China and America are locked into a contest over which of those great states will be, in uh, Hugh White's words, the primary strategic power in East Asia and the Western Pacific in the decades ahead. America wants to keep its dominant role in Asia, uh, if you like, Obama's pivot to Asia, in order to maintain its primacy in the world. And China wants to push America out of its region, out indeed of the China Sea, in order to assert equal status with America and its role as the regional hegemon. But Hugh White really doubts whether America can summon the domestic political support for fighting the wars or paying the costs of that dominance in Asia. It is, after all, a long way from home. And without secure domestic support for the costs of war, America is unlikely to be able to compete effectively with China. And that's why Hugh White says that for Australia, the key choice we face is not whether we should abandon America, but whether we should trust them, that is America, not to abandon Asia to abandon us. And there are a couple of key examples he gives around this. First of all is the test of Taiwan. Now, White argues that Taiwan is a test of both American and Australian foreign policy and that it is, I guess, the lightning rod of conflict between America and China. If China succeeds in its aim to push America out of Taiwan and out of its, it will succeed in removing America's dominance in the West Pacific, or a large part of that. And potentially both America and China are prepared to go to war over it. Certainly to make significant postures uh, towards each side or gestures towards each side over this uh, issue that could come to a crisis at any any point. And as I'm recording this podcast, uh, there's a debate over whether the Speaker of the House of Representatives in America, Nancy Pelosi, should visit Taiwan, given the clearly stated concerns of China that this would compromise uh, America's commitment to the one China policy and, if you like, would cross a red line with China. It's likely to be the key point 
as in the broad issue of Taiwan, that uh, Xi Jinping will raise with Joe Biden. And as he has said before, as Xi Jinping has said before to Joe Biden, I meet with you and you tell me one thing and then your government goes and does something else. How can I really trust you? One wonders what will happen in that conversation. Perhaps we will report that. We, uh, perhaps I will report that on uh, the Burning Archive in a later episode. But there are a couple of key things uh, Hugh Whiten says are important to consider about the willingness of the both sides to go to war over China. China knows that America accepts, if ambiguously, and that international law backs China's claim of sovereignty over Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan uh, has a different status, for example, than Ukraine in the United Nations and so forth. America uh, has also long maintained strategic ambiguity over Taiwan. It gives the sense that maybe it would fight over Taiwan, but then maybe it wouldn't. And that uh, muddying of the waters enables it to maintain a certain posture without provoking China too far. But it is also perhaps bluffing over a rather poor hand. Would America uh, really have any chance in a fight over Taiwan. And that is the last key point in the assessment of the willingness of both parties to go to war over Taiwan. If there were a conflict over Taiwan, it would quickly escalate into a major war in the Pacific between America and China. Hugh White says it would be likely that America might uh, bomb, uh, you know, uh, military or civilian targets in the Chinese mainland, and that it would be highly likely for China similarly to bomb Guam. And the risk of nuclear conflict also cannot be ruled out. Moreover, it's a war that America would be likely to lose, uh, given China would very quickly be able to assert dominance over land and air and sea in Taiwan, given it's right next door. This is what Hugh White describes as the Taiwan test. And he says it is the heart of the whole question of America's future in Asia and the wisdom of Australia's dependence upon it. Australia, he says, should really free itself of the myth of American invincibility. It needs to acknowledge the Chinese capacity to control air and sea around Taiwan, and so to control any war. And it would needs to accept the reality that such a war is likely to escalate quickly, involves sinking aircraft carriers and bombing US bases, even potentially Australian targets, and that a few submarines sent from Australia in the 2040s uh, is unlikely to affect that conflict. 
In essence, he says, America has no clear and plausible path to victory in a war over Taiwan, and hence, if it cannot win a war with Taiwan, should it continue to push diplomatic conflicts over Taiwan, can it really continue to assert its its use of Taiwan as the world's largest aircraft carrier, uh, which was, I think, how General Douglas MacArthur described Taiwan, as uh, can it continue to claim that part of uh, China for its own geostrategic purposes? White argues that China ultimately has the greater strategic will to claim Taiwan, and that therefore it is likely, more likely, to roll the dice on Taiwan and so confront America with a choice of either withdrawing from its dominant position in the West Pacific or fighting a war that they would lose and still lose their dominance in the West Pacific. The ultimate bad choice. That is why Hugh White argues Wiser Heads should call for a dignified exit from the West Pacific in Asia by America. But for Hugh White, the acme of foreign policy failure, I guess, has been the AUKUS uh, alliance the and uh, Australia's recent foreign policy in Asia with its loud uh, noise in, on behalf of the Quad and American interests, and in particular the decision under AUKUS to order nuclear-powered submarines from the United Kingdom. He is absolutely devastatingly critical of this AUKUS decision, uh, and it's well worth reading the essay, if for nothing else, for that. Uh, he says, all this, the complacency, the incompetence, the illusions, came together in the proposal to acquire nuclear-powered submarines under AUKUS. I'm not going to go into all the detail about the nuclear-powered submarines, but he basically, he basically says it is one of the most appalling decisions in Australian defence foreign policy. In the annals of defence policy failure, it is hard to recall anything more absurd than this whole sad mess. I do recommend uh, listeners to the Burning Archive to read that essay. But he is highly critical not only of that, but also of the whole concept of the Indo-Pacific that Australia uses. And it and Australia's recent rather narrow perspective on diplomacy on behalf of America and the rules-based order um, and uh, approaching India largely through the Quad rather than India's broader uh, significance. He is, uh, I guess, devastatingly critical of how Australia has pursued foreign policy as a loyal ally an unthinking ally to America in recent times, rather than through as a as a genuinely significant regional middle power 
that can pursue its own interests and adapt to the realities of the geopolitical environment that we find ourselves in. So I'm going to turn now to what Hugh White describes as his action plan for courage and imagination, which is, if you like, a set of proposals for a more realistic foreign policy for Australia that is adapted to the multipolar world that we find ourselves in. And he says there are six broad points to this action plan. First of all, he says uh, that we need to get real about the situation we face. There's no point talking about overthrowing the Communist Chinese, uh, Chinese Communist Party in China or of, you know, fighting for democracy rather than autocracy in Eurasia. The China we see now is the China we must learn to live with. And similarly, there's no point pining or flattering America that it is still the indispensable nation, even though Australian political leaders seem addicted to that same flattery. There are reasonable doubts about America's capacity to prevail in Asia. And to uh, put those views is not irrational anti-Americanism, but clear-eyed realism. And that is what the first point of his action plan is, to face the world as it is, not as the West Wing presented it to us in our youth. The second point is that we need to build a more balanced and realistic view of China. We're not facing the extreme scenarios of an American takeover of China or of China ruling the world and taking over America. Rather, Hugh White says we should plan for some more uh, likely plausible outcomes in between those extremes. And that may well be that China will not aspire to rule, rule the world, to dominate and impose its political system on the entire globe, that it may well be content with its own country and a, uh, a, a, a role as a regional hegemon and a powerful decisive state in a different multilateral world order. China will turn out to be a regional hegemon we can learn to live with, if never to like much, let alone love, and build a policy towards that. And Hugh White there may be reflecting the generally pro-American stance of a lot of the Australian intelligence world, because I'm sure there are there is quite a lot of affection for Chinese culture in Australia as well. Inflated threats lead to costly, disastrous policies. Witness Russia and Europe and war, the war on terror. And hence, having a balanced and realistic view of the major country which we are, 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 are turning into an enemy is a central plank of a better foreign policy, according to Hugh White. Thirdly, he says we should think seriously about the nature of a war between China and America so we can make realistic decisions about if and how 
to be involved. Empty rhetoric about, um, you know, going to war over Taiwan to protect democracy is all very well, but the reality that he describes is that it will be a devastating and ugly event if there is a war between China and America, and it may well be an event in which nuclear weapons are deployed. We do not want to do that. We should be cautioning against it. And this is the fourth major and most interesting point about uh, Hugh White's uh, action plan for imagination and courage in Australian foreign policy. He says we should talk to America about its future in Asia and our role in sustaining it. Ultimately, he says, America cannot sustain its dominance in Asia without risking nuclear war. So it had better abandon Taiwan and accept a diminished role in Asia and a more equal partner status in a multilateral world order. Australia can tell America that Australia does not support America conducting a war over Taiwan, that Australia and the other important great powers and middle powers of Eurasia, or the coast of Eurasia, uh, have an interest in saying to America, we're grateful for what you've done, but you don't need to keep doing it. Fifthly, he says we should recast our diplomacy in Asia by being the deputy sheriff of America in Asia, uh, by being, uh, by, you know, twisting India's arm to join the Quad to just be part of uh, America's uh, counterbalancing of China. We are neglecting relationships and misunderstanding the emerging situation in Asian geopolitics. And in particular, he focuses on India's growing role as a great state and its importance in, uh, realistically, being a competitor with China itself on in the great so-called Indo-Pacific. It will, uh, uh, India will continue to want to be a regional hegemon in its region. Indeed, uh, Hugh White says, it may well be that India will wish to be a regional hegemon over Australia as much as China does. And perhaps that is not such a bad regional hegemon to have, I would have thought. Maybe there is uh, a great cultural and increasingly, uh, you know, demographic affinity between India and Australia that we might develop further. Similarly, we need to think differently about our relationship with Indonesia and to think differently about Japan and perhaps Japan's complex set of attitudes towards both America and China. The world is not necessarily going to remain as it was in the post-World War II era. 
6, he says we should start talking to China. And it does seem perhaps that conversation has restarted in recent times. But we need to not uh, view our relationship with China through the prism of America's interests. We should pursue our relationship with China as it is and as we find it. And then the seventh final point of his action plan for imagination and courage in Australian foreign policy is that Australians themselves need to have a national conversation about the change in the geopolitical environment. As I said at the start of the program, Hugh White rightly uh, sees all these changes, the rise of China, the decline of America, the rise of India, the growth of Indonesia, the increasing power of Russia, as amongst the most significant changes, well, the most significant change in the geopolitical environment since 1788, since white settlement in Australia. And it is perhaps a not dissimilar point to the point I've raised before about uh, the end of the Anglo-American imperial dominance in the world. We are seeing the fall of a 300-year period of Anglo-American dominance in the world. And we need to have an important conversation in Australia about just what that means for us. Indeed, uh, Hugh White imagines or writes it should not be too hard to draft a speech along these lines that sets out the challenges for Australia uh, if we could only find a political leader willing to deliver it. Well, at least... Uh, Hugh White's found at least one podcaster prepared to at least discuss it. So let's talk about what I make of uh, Hugh White's use of history in his arguments. So there are really sort of three observations I wanted to make about Hugh White's use of historical arguments in his quarterly essay. First of all, He uses the important trope of the abandonment uh, of Australia by the British Empire in the fall of Singapore. And again, I um, addressed this in an earlier podcast, which um, perhaps listeners might want to look back on. Episode number 18, After Kabul, after Kabul, the task ahead for Australia. But it is uh, fundamental to Hugh White's argument that he is pulling on the emotional heartstrings of the strategic elite in Australia about the risk of being abandoned by our great and powerful friends. As Britain failed to look after us, our security appropriately, in America, uh, in, in in Singapore, and did not, uh, or could not, afford to defend against the Japanese Empire, as it was being attacked by Germany. So Hugh White raises the spectre that America 
may, with its global commitments crisis, no longer be able to sustain its uh, overcommitment in Asia. And I guess this is a it's a very effective historical argument, um, but it is one of the, I guess, it what particularly overseas listeners to the Booting Archive podcast need to understand the absolute resonance of this uh, metaphor in uh, Australian strategic thinking circles. It's like the fall of Saigon, I guess, in America. Secondly, Hugh White acknowledges what he calls the need for a new Yalta, uh, a new uh, world peace agreement uh, to redefine security in Europe and Russia and the same in the West Pacific. He argues there really is a need for a set of agreements that settle the post-Cold War international order. And listeners to the podcast will be might remember my arguments during my various episodes on Ukraine uh, about how uh, the since the Cold War there has not really been since the end of the Cold War in 1989 there hasn't really been a proper peace negotiated uh, for the new world order. There has just been an assumed liberal rules-based order in which America prevails and America's will prevails. But Hugh White says uh, that the conflicts in Ukraine and in Taiwan cannot be settled without this broader vision of uh, a new set of multilateral international institutions that and. Uh, the failure of Western leaders to seriously think about doing that has underpinned the conflict in Ukraine. He says 30 years after the end of the Cold War, Europe needs a new Yalta. Yalta being the uh, major peace agreement struck between Churchill, Roosevelt and Stalin in uh, the latter part of the war that set out the arrangements for the post-World War II era. So Europe needs a new Yalta to agree the terms of Russia's place in Europe and relations with America in the post-Soviet era. Just as in East Asia, we need to agree new terms for China's place in the region and its relations with America in the era of Chinese power. If we cling to the idea of the American century, the liberal rules-based order, we are ultimately clinging, Hugh White says, to an old and unsustainable vision of order that's unrelated to the realities of power and culture and geography today. Thirdly, Hugh White brings an appropriate level of historical scepticism towards the conjuring up of the idea of a Eurasian colossus by some American geostrategic thinkers, such as Mike Pompeo, who I think I quoted along those lines in the previous program. The extreme case scenario that American thinkers bring up is that China combined with Russia, but being China being dominant, 
will form a unified Eurasian colossus. And as with Holford Mackinder, he who rules the world island of Eurasia will rule the world. But Hugh White acknowledges that although there have been many aspirants uh, to rule the world, in the realities of complex power, imperial rivalry, cultural dynamics, has always meant this has been a failed ambition rather than a realised goal. And hence the, the grandeur of grand strategies who turn Eurasia into a chessboard to be manipulated by the new masters of the universe, uh, always fails, always fails. And in a way, uh, there is a kind of acknowledgement here of the great work by John Darwin uh, after Tamlan, which I really shall do an episode on before too long, which is a, which talks about the shadow of Tamlan's failure, the ongoing failure of a single power to dominate Eurasia, despite the, uh, I guess, the fantasies of Halford Mackinder in the early 20th century. That that adage that he who rules the world, Ireland rules the world, should really be retired, and we should think about what um, Halford Mackinder says, uh, what, what Hugh White says is, a multipolar global order in which a number of great powers, each with its own sphere of influence, compete and cooperate. And in our region, the two most important ones are India and China, followed perhaps then by Indonesia and Japan, as well as the Southeast Asian nations. So if I were to take up Hugh White's suggestion of writing a speech for a yet-to-be-known Australian political leader to chart a course for a different kind of foreign policy for Australia that adapted more successfully to the realities of the multipolar world that is emerging and the realities of our situation in the world, I think I would make these four basic points. The first is that uh, as conflict in Taiwan looms over us, we urgently need to uh, disentangle ourselves from the unthinking American alliance, especially as too many American elites urge upon that alliance a counterproductive alliance of freedom a moral crusade, an ideological crusade on behalf of American interests across the world. This kind of rhetoric will lead us to disaster in Taiwan, disaster in the Pacific, disaster in Australia, just as it has led to disaster in Europe and Ukraine. Secondly, we ought to change our strategic concept of our place from the world, not Australia in the Asian century, and not the derivative American concept of the Indo-Pacific, 
but we should see ourselves as one of the great middle power trading nations of coastal Eurasia, like Indonesia, like Japan, in a way like India, and like China, and like Russia. All these countries are countries like Vietnam, are countries that uh, belong and integrate with the uh, enormous trading world that occurs around the coast of Eurasia. The Indo-Pacific describes a meaningless concept that glues together the west of the Indian Ocean with the west coast of America. It is uh, ridiculous. A far more meaningful concept is coastal Eurasia, and that is where Australia exists geographically and where we can negotiate new relationships, new partnerships with Japan and the Philippines and Indonesia, Vietnam, China, Russia, uh, did I say India as well, uh, and the Southeast Asian nations like Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand and so on. We should stop uh, pandering to this idea of the Indo-Pacific that America has developed to try to try to to draw India into some sort of counterbalancing alliance against China and view all those uh, fellow members of coastal Eurasia as uh, states that we learn to live with and learn to get along with. And that also means, thirdly, that we need to take our place on the side of real independence, real freedom, and real democracy of nations in the emerging global wars of independence from America. The era of Anglo-American imperial dominance is coming to an end as a number of world leaders have now said the American world order is crumbling and new institutions are emerging. We should no longer stand as deputy sheriff with America in these wars. America will not come out stronger from these wars. Uh, the new powers of the world, new great states like China and Russia and India, uh, the BRICS nations will emerge stronger, more powerful and more significant from these global wars of independence. And finally, fourthly, Australia can play its part just as it did after World War II. It played a leading part in advocating the formation of what was then understood as a multilateral world order, a global community of nations in the United Nations, only to be derailed by the Cold War and then the unipolar moment. Australia can play its part in rebuilding our global security institutions, our global institutions of diplomacy and peace, to be more genuinely part of a multipolar world. We should see more BRICS nations on the United Nations Security Council. We should see India and we should 
as Australians advocate that India join the United Nations Security Council. We should advocate another great nation from Africa, perhaps also considered part of the Indo-Pacific, should join uh, the United Nations Security Council, as should a country from South America. The time when Europe and America, the Atlantic world, controlled the world is over and Australia will play its part in building a new, truly peaceful set of security institutions for the world. That's what I would propose, but I'm just a podcaster and not a politician and just a very, very minor government official with no real responsibilities in relationship to foreign policy. I thought I probably should put that disclaimer in as well. Okay, so that's the podcast. It's really worthwhile reading uh, Hugh White's essay, Sleepwalk to War, Australia's Unthinking Alliance with America, if you get a chance. And I think it is a pretty realist view and it presents some really interesting issues, both about history, uh, but also, I guess, about the present day. Uh, and I totally endorse his uh, view that we should have a national conversation about our part in this emerging global, uh, as in Australia's part in this emerging global world order. And I hope my simple podcast has been a small contribution to that conversation. If you think so too, uh, do share this podcast with your friends. Leave us a excellent review on Apple iTunes and until next week take care uh, let's hope that peace prevails and that uh, reason and good sense prevails in uh, discussions about Ukraine and Taiwan over the next few weeks and uh, do remember that what thou lovest well will not be reft from thee bye now